Welcome to the Compounding Center Connections, where we talk about different health conditions with our partner practitioners. I'm your host, Jay Gill, from the Compounding Center in Leesburg, Virginia. I'm a compounding pharmacist, where at the Compounding Center, we collaborate with practitioners, create custom medications, and help our patients get better. So in this episode, we have Dr. Melissa Delgado, who is returning uh, for another episode and is going to talk to us about chronic pelvic pain and ozone therapy. So Dr. Delgado, uh, you have a practice, uh, the Chronic Pelvic Pain Center of Northern Virginia in Tysons, Virginia. Could you share uh, a little bit of your background and introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Yeah, thank you so much, Jay, for inviting me on. This is always such a treat and so much fun. And I love having conversations with you about the things I'm most passionate about, which is pelvic pain. So I'm trained as a OBGYN and I segued into chronic pelvic pain over a decade ago. I did have some training in it, which was really amazing, but I really um, niched out and focused on pelvic pain because I saw there was a great need for women who are suffering from pain and we just don't have bandwidth um, in a regular standard general OBGYN practice. And so I decided to really dedicate my time and my life's work to just dealing with this topic. So it's uber niched out and it's just amazing how many women actually suffer from pelvic pain and its overlapping conditions. So, you know, that's what I do. I'm at Tyson's and, um, it's a highly customized environment. So we can start with a protocol. Like, you know, you have uh, done so many amazing compounds for me, but as, as um, uh, symptoms improve and as women get better, then we need to adjust maybe the supplements that they're taking or what they're doing. And we can customize that because I created a safe environment for women to kind of tell their story and then, you know, outline a path and that can change on, at any moment, which is, which is what I love to do. You know, I so agree with you. There's so many women out there with this condition and it's been a pleasure to partner with you and learn so much of what you do and how much you help these women. So before we dive into this, I just want to have a little disclaimer that, you know, this is information uh, discussed today is really for informational purposes only, not meant for diagnosis or treatment. Um, but I, so you said this is a, such an uber niche, uh, you know, a chronic pelvic pain. Could you talk to us about what is it and uh, how common is it? Yeah. So uh, when we think of pelvic pain specifically for women, we think about the pelvis or the lower abdomen. And so any pain lasting greater than six months, which is not a very long period of time, if you think of it, if you have a cycle every month, uh, it, it really is amazing that it's just a, a consecutive um, and the experience of pain just gets worse over time. So we see women um, with endometriosis, bladder issues. A lot of women don't connect pain with bladder. And why would we, right? Like we just think, oh, it's my uterus or my ovaries. But really interstitial cystitis, chronic UTIs, really contribute a lot to the pelvis and pain related to the pelvis. And then when you think about the GI tract as well, women 
a lot of times have constipation and then pelvic floor. So your musculoskeletal, you're thinking women that have painful intercourse, they might have nerve pain called pedendal neuralgia or vulvodynia. Most women like mm -hmm. research vulvodynia, they understand that. And then there's a mental health component as it relates to anxiety and depression that gets upregulated um, from the pain. And then trauma is another aspect of pain that I want to tackle next year and bringing in some healing as it relates to trauma and women with pain we know have um, significant amount of trauma that um, may not be fully addressed and that really helps the healing process and when I started doing the numbers it was amazing to me when I started thinking okay women are in pain you know two to three weeks out of the year it takes several years to get to me we're talking about a thousand days of pain these wow. women are, if they're four years into any kind of uh, these overlapping conditions. So it's really impressive. And, you know, the number keeps going up. But if we think globally, women, 190 million. And then, you know, here we're, you know, the, the common estimated average women who experience pelvic pain is 25 million. So it's a huge number. So, you know, that right there tells me why you decide to kind of carve and just focus on chronic pelvic pain. You just can't manage as an OBGYN, you know, these, this numbers of people affected and do regular OBGYN too, you know? So yeah, it's the quite impressive. Yeah. Yeah. You really need to spend time. You know, my first visit's about an hour and then the follow-up visits. Um, and, and the good news is people can heal from this. We just have to be, or, um, you know, sort of uh, collaborative in our approach and and have a really good vetted network, which we do here in Virginia. I mean, there's always, you know, people we, we want, would love to have in our network. But yeah. now with telemedicine, I think there's more access to people, not necessarily in the state that do um, some work and contribute. And, you know, we're, we're really trying to gain traction as it relates to endometriosis. But since I deal with all of the overlapping conditions, we're like, you know, um, the group who deals with pelvic pain and all those things, the physical therapist, the trauma therapist, um, you know, everybody, the GI, you know, urology, everybody on the team really has, uh, um, you know, a special interest in just really dealing with pain, which is different from an acute situation. It's really a chronic ongoing yeah. inflammatory response. So that's how we have to address it. So uh, talk to me a little bit about how you, uh, so, you know, this, we're, we were going to, we're going to talk about pelvic pain and the ozone and ozone. I'll be honest with you is new to me. And how did you come about ozone? How'd you incorporate ozone, uh, you know, uh, with this therapy? Ozone's um, an amazing modality. And honestly, um, I was introduced to it by other providers that in the area that work with Lyme and they're like, Oh, have you done ozone therapy? And I, I had no idea what it was. So I had to look it up and I was like fascinated by it. I'm like, this is something that could really change my practice and move the needle as it relates to pelvic pain. And, and really it started with trying to help women get control over the bladder and interstitial cystitis. And, you know, when I went to take the course, 
I was just blown away by how amazing this modality is. And it's very simple and it's not so expensive. And it's, it's a gas that's derived from oxygen. So it's three atoms of oxygen that creates ozone. And so the sad thing is a little history about it is that it's been around for over 150 years. And it's been used in, in the medical community in like the 1800s. Um, Nikola Tesla actually patented the first ozone generator in the United States. So it's been around. It was well vetted. There's a lot of theories about why it's kind of it was taken out of circulation in the medical community. But, you know, when I did some research on this before I brought it in, it's an overwhelming amount of literature that ozone has. It's like 11,000 published articles now, and a lot of them wow. are on PubMed. Um, there's an American Academy of Ozone Therapy. So there are, are thoughtful and mindful ways to use ozone. It's not scary. It's like anything else. If you get trained and you know how to utilize the modality, it's extremely powerful for chronic illness. And that's where the Lyme you know, providers got um, hooked into it because it was, it's, it, you see amazing results because it's, it's, um, a fascinating, um, you know, subject to get into when you start dealing with oxygenation, how we heal, how disease actually starts. I think, you know, we don't know that as robustly sometimes when we're like, you know, deep in the weeds of learning uh, medicine. And it's really back to physiological basics of how the body works. And we really, it, it runs off of the idea that we, we need oxygen to, um maintain our health and so, a lot of the process yeah go ahead oh no no, no. Uh, i didn't mean to interrupt i was going to say so explain to me uh i'm i'm aware a little bit what conventional medicine approaches chronic pelvic pain you know whether it's muscle relaxants uh or pt you know you're, yeah. you're referred to pt so in your practice how do you incorporate uh the ozone uh, with some of the conventional therapies out there? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I use it more and more every day. So I use it every day for GI um, symptoms, anywhere from leaky gut all the way up to ulcerative colitis and Crohn's. Now, I don't see a ton of patients with ulcerative colitis, Crohn's. I usually see people in the leaky gut IBS type spectrum, which overlaps more consistently with what I do. But for, for the bladder, it's amazing. And I'm rolling out protocols for endometriosis. So the way that we can get the gas into the body, I think is what okay. a lot of people kind of ask. And so um, in my realm, we use what's called insufflation. So we can put the gas directly into the bladder directly into the rectum and then wow. directly into the vagina. So you, you have a generator and you drop the gas from medical grade oxygen and it's a converter and it denatures the atoms and it recombines as O2 and O3. So oxygen and ozone and ozone has a really short half-life. It only lasts about 40 minutes in open air. It'll go convert back to oxygen. So it's unstable in that sense. So you have to make it and utilize it you know, fresh. And when the patient is there, um, you can trap it in oil. So a lot of people like topical for like dermatology and you can, um, trap the gas in, 
and ice. So some people use the ice cubes as well. And then you can use water. So there's a lot of people who drink it and use water irrigation. So in the dentistry realm, they irrigate the mouth with ozone when they're cleaning. There's a lot of evidence to decrease inflammation in gingivitis and in in dentistry, veterinary uh -huh. medicine uses it. Um, the ortho uh, community uses it for joints, um, for regeneration, which it's amazing for. So, you know, you can use ozone in so many different ways. There's also sauna, um, MAH, which you mix the ozone with, um, uh, with blood and you, you, uh, kind of it's anticoagulated blood, and then you place it back in the body through IV. And that's where that comes from the Lyme community and anybody with chronic illness, the IV ozone, not direct IV, but through MAH is where a lot of, um, patients get benefit from. So Dr. Delgado, can you explain how, uh, like how is ozone considered a, re a regenerative therapy? Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so um, a lot of times, so ozone in general, people say, well, what is it good for? How does it work, right? And yeah. it, it, it it leads to a cascade of, of physiological events in our body. So the net of that is it um, uh, can inactivate bacteria, viruses, fungi, um, yeast, protozoa. So people have a lot of times infection as it relates to inflammation. It stimulates oxygen metabolism, which we need to maintain health. And a lot of our um, bodily functions depend on how well oxygenated we are. And then um, it activates the immune system. So it helps our own body kind of uh, replenish our own immune system, which helps then address an infection as well. And then for the regenerative part, it actually releases growth factors, which helps that cascade go. So it's good for degenerative joint and any kind of um, joint disease. Um, and then we, I mean, uh, the for the pain aspect, which is where where I was fascinated with, is it decreases or eliminates pain by action on pain receptors itself. So it's just a fascinating um, tool to use, especially when we don't have a lot of options. As you know, when we're treating um, chronic pain anywhere, right in the in the body. Now, um, so. Does a person uh, get pain relief after the first treatment or does it take multiple treatments? Uh, um, you know, what do you usually see or, um, or what's your protocol? Approximately how many treatments does it take? Yeah, that's tricky. That's where like the individualization comes in. Okay. If someone just has, let's say if we're using it for interstitial cystitis, if they just have bladder issues and they don't really have underlying Lyme or mast cell or MTHFR, other, other chronic illnesses that sometimes impede healing, um, they may not have uh, an exacerbation of symptoms after the first time. Sometimes that happens where um, they experience a little bit of, for 
for just what people know it as die off, where if you're having these inactivations of microbiome, sometimes you get an exacerbation of whatever symptoms you experience, like urgency, frequency, sometimes pain gets a little worse, but then it gets better. And with each ozone application, you get, and as the body heals, um, it's cumulative. So everything gets better over time. And so you have to kind of adjust the ozone um, and the protocols based on the feedback that the patient gives. So if they tolerated the first ozone session and they feeling great, then we increase the dose as we go. And we have a little protocol for that. And if they're not feeling so great or the flare lasted for more than two days, I kind of either decrease it or stay the same and kind of evaluate what else is going on and how we can optimize it. But you typically, you know, 10 sessions is where we start. And that's because most of the time in inflammation um, is decreased after six to eight weeks. So that gives them some time to know and learn, okay, this is much better. It's been 10 sessions. And then where do yeah. we go from? Do we space them out? Do we not need ozone anymore? Do we then segue to supplements? Like how, how do we address it? What else is going on? So yeah, it can be dynamic. Um, but eventually with time, you will get there. Gotcha. So um, is there a, uh, is everybody able to get ozone or is there somebody that is a not a good ideal candidate? Like, is there anything that disqualifies them from uh, uh, ozone therapy at all? Yeah, I think um, if people had ozone in the past and didn't really resonate with them, or maybe they were okay. given too much, you might just have to do baby doses. But there are some people that don't respond Great. And that's a lot. That's a lot with the Lyme community. I see a lot of Lyme patients. You have to go really low and slow with them. But um, from from the literature and from the coursework, um, pregnancy, we don't usually do ozone in this country. Um, anyone who's on an ACE inhibitor, um, uncontrolled hyperthyroidism, but if they're on medication, they're controlled, it's usually fine. Um, thrombocytopenia is another one and like G6, uh, PD deficiency, but those are really the only ones. Uh, ozone is generally safe and well tolerated. Um, and what's nice is that we have robust literature from the European, um, data as well. So there's a lot of countries that utilize ozone, um, we know it from cleaning drinking water. So I know in Paris and abroad, they use ozone for um, in the water industry to uh, clean oh, the water yeah. filtration systems, that along with UV light. So we know it's really good for microbiomes. And I think that's where a lot of the work started is to get um, infection and chronic infection under control. If somebody wanted to kind of, uh, hearing or uh, watching our podcast, um, wanted to read or get to know a little bit more about ozone. Is there a reputable website or uh, where they can go and read and become a little bit more knowledgeable about this th therapy? Yeah, you want someone who's been trained in ozone as well, I must say. Um, okay. And there's the American Academy of Ozone Therapy. Um, I think uh, Dr. Frank Schallenberger does a great job of educating the public. He has a book called The Principles and Applications of Ozone Therapy. And it's a small book. 
and it's really easy to read. He wrote it for patients. So it's not too, too, um, you know, difficult to understand. Okay. And then, um, yeah, he has a website as well. And then PubMed has a, you know, increasing app, um, uh, amount of literature that, um, you can you, um, you can look at and, and get more educated. Hopefully I will have this stuff coming up on my website as well. That's my goal is to have more information about this because it just works so well. And um, yeah, I mean, basically ozone typically, it just helps correct the underlying um, tissues and healing results are long-term. Well, I'll make sure that I include uh, the... Uh um the information that you just gave me in the show notes about Dr. Schallenberger and the organization now you know one last question are the results that you get from the ozone therapy long term um is there a relapse and you have to go through it again could you talk to us a little bit about that yeah, I, I think the effects are long term, depending on what you're treating. So for interstitial cystitis, um, there are long term benefits. And the thought is you can be symptom free for many years. We typically don't say cure yet for IC. Yeah. We still don't understand how that happens. Um, but those that deal with Lyme see much benefit for long term. Um, and then for, you know, the GI tract, I, I feel like once you correct the underlying issue and you really correct the microbiome and the inflammation with ozone, you're good for a long period of time. It's just, it, it's the GI is tough because of our environment and our food sources and stuff like that. But a lot of people maintain with ozone. There's ozone um, suppositories that you can use that mm. some people are like, oh, we'll just do a rectal ozone suppository once a week, once a month. I mean, just to maintain part of their prevention. Um, once you get to the prevention stage of, of your health, um, I know a lot of people that maintain with that. You know, I do. I mean, I, I use ozone um, at least once a month, some some version of ozone I have in, in my life. And they sell ozone capsules that you could take orally. And a lot of people tolerate that well. So you just kind of build it into your, uh, you know, your healthcare routine, you know, and yeah. it, it, it really has very minimal side effects. Okay. Well, yeah. well, Dr. Delgado, thank you very much for joining us today. You shared a lot of good information with us. And uh, how can someone reach out to you or, um, you know, find out about uh, your practice? Yeah. So our phone number is 703-448-6070. And our website is pelvicpaindoctor.com. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I'll make sure uh, the contact information's in the show notes. And thank you everyone for uh, tuning into the Compounding Center Connections podcast. We hope you found this information presented today to be helpful. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at j at compoundingcenter.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel, The Compounding Centers. Stay tuned for future episodes. Thank you. Thank you.